Welcome back to the Vine Church Podcast. Today, we are continuing our sermon series, Seeing Jesus, exploring the first nine chapters of Luke's Gospel. If you haven't already, you can find us on YouTube at the Vine Church Heart, and we'd love to have you join us over there. Hi there, folks. So I want to share with you from Luke's Gospel, and we've just had the reading uh, from Luke chapter 3, verses uh, 1 through, and uh, we read about John the Baptist, who is called to prepare the way for Jesus. Now, one of the reasons that Joshua and I have chosen to take us through Luke's Gospel, um, uh, particularly at this point in time, going through these early nine chapters of Luke, is because uh, we want to spend some time looking at who Jesus is. I think that very often as evangelical Christians, we think about the birth and at Christmas and we think about the death of Jesus at Easter. And we say that it's important for us to have faith in Jesus for the forgiveness of our sins. And all of those things are, of course, essential. But what we can often miss out is actually the opportunity to look at his life, to look at his words, to look at his actions, to look at his interactions, uh, to look at his journey uh, to Jerusalem, his mission. And so we want to spend some time looking at the person of Jesus Christ, this magnificent person who steps into history and who changes lives. And we find as we go through Luke that there are those who see Jesus, often outsiders suddenly get who he is and see him. And then there are those who don't see him, often the insiders who just don't get it. They see him physically, but they don't get who he really is. And and I want us, and I do believe that every one of us will be transformed the more that we see Jesus for ourselves. But today we're just going to take a bit of a step back and take a look at someone who is preparing the way for Jesus. And of course, that's John the Baptist. Now, I love this story. And as I've spent time looking at John the Baptist, I've been inspired by his example and by his message, and I trust that you will be too. And so I want to mention a few things about John the Baptist. I mean, the first is this, that uh, we notice the context in which he ministers. We're given the names of seven different leaders, Tiberius, of course, uh, we, get, uh, we get Herod, uh, we get Annas and Caiaphas, we get these different tetrarchs who are there. Often when a date is given in the Bible, it shows us this is a significant moment. This is going to be an important moment. Jeremiah appears at a particular moment in history. Isaiah appears at a particular moment in history. John the Baptist is appearing now at the cusp of a new era, a new dawn in history. And so the date is given to us, but it is a ominous date because the characters that are mentioned here are all without exception in some way or other corrupt or evil or unsavory characters. Tiberius died a, a, an unpleasant death uh, and even the Romans turned on him and ended up saying Tiberius for the Tiber, Tiberius in the Tiber. He was not a good leader. We all know about Pontius Pilate, of course. He appears at the end in the dreadful time when Jesus dies. But it's not just the kind of 
uh, secular leaders who are kind of evil and corrupt. But even within the religious establishment, there is darkness and compromise and hypocrisy. We get Caiaphas and Anna here who are Annas, who are mentioned as kind of, um, one of them's a puppet high priest within the Jewish uh, religion. But they're both corrupt and uh, unsavory characters. And so it is a dark time. It is a difficult time. There is never a perfect time for the word of God to be spoken. But the word of God is always able to pierce through the darkness and to bring light and life whenever it is spoken. And so we read that into this context, John the Baptist appears and it says that the word of the Lord came through John the Baptist. Now I want to mention a few things about John the Baptist. The first is this. We see that there is in John the Baptist a challenging austerity. John the Baptist is facing austerity. We read back in uh, earlier in this uh, chapter that he grew up in the wilderness and we're told that he grew strong in spirit and in wisdom in the wilderness. Now, we don't know why John the Baptist lived in the wilderness. It's quite possible that his aging parents, remember that they were old when they had him, had died by now and now he's in his 20s by the way this date is around AD 27 to 29 and uh, 15 years into the reign of, of Tiberius and so John the Baptist is in his 20s and quite possibly he's been living in the wilderness in the desert um, by choice or out of circumstance but it's an austere lifestyle obviously we know don't we from uh, elsewhere in Matthew and so on that he had an unusual diet that he was eating superfoods before they'd been invented locusts and honey he kind of lived with strange clothing and austere kind of lifestyle and yet in that wilderness in that austerity there is a growth and an authority and an, an integrity that grows in John the Baptist's life it's fascinating to see isn't it that he grows strong in spirit in the wilderness that's often the way God strengthens us and does things in our lives. He strengthens us and works in us when we're in a difficult place, in a desert place, in the wilderness. That's exactly what God did to Moses when Moses was out in the desert of Midian for 40 years. His character was being shaped. God was working in him. And there in the desert, God met with him and God commissioned him and God called him and sent him. Folks, we're going through a difficult time at the moment. It feels like the desert. It feels like the wilderness. I want to encourage you today, don't miss out on the opportunity that you have right now to grow, to be shaped in character, to change, to become a better person and to learn and to meet with God so that you can know his commissioning afresh in your life. Don't miss this opportunity to be shaped in the wilderness and in the difficulty. I've got a friend who is telling me only today that his wife has got uh, COVID and uh, so he's having to self-isolate until the 1st of February and um, he's, a, he's a runner and so he's frustrated because he has to stay indoors uh, and so I was saying to him this is a unique opportunity to do some strength and conditioning and that'll make a difference to you actually when you go back out running again that you've got some strength and conditioning and worked on other things during this time what are you working on during this time 
because it will stand you in good stead for the future if you invest in your future self now by making the most of this opportunity that you have for God to shape your character. So the first thing that we see is challenging austerity. The second thing we see in John the Baptist is a, um, I've forgotten the title because I have no notes, I'm speaking to you uh, off the cuff here. But the second thing is his personal integrity. You see that John the Baptist is not really bothered about the crowds. He could have been very pleased that he had so many followers on Instagram, that he had so many people following him and coming after him. Huge crowds turned out in the wilderness to come and hear him. And yet he is not afraid to challenge these people. He's not worried about his popularity. He's much more concerned about doing the right thing, about speaking about righteousness and living righteousness. John the Baptist has a personal integrity about him. His message of repentance is one that he is living out for himself. There is a, a personal purity in John the Baptist, which means that he's not worried so much about what other people think. He's much more concerned about what God thinks of him. We see also in John, thirdly, a divine authority. John has a divine authority, an authority that comes from knowing that God has commissioned him and called him to minister. And so John the Baptist speaks the words of God unapologetically with divine authority. He knows that he has received a commissioning from God and therefore he can speak the very words of God. And uh, I've been studying 1 Thessalonians this week and we see there that the Apostle Paul says that he actually uh, speaks the words of God and he spoke the words of God to the Thessalonians and they received it with power, with conviction and with the Holy Spirit. They received his words as the very words of God. You know, it's not just ministers and leaders and church leaders who have God's authority and God's calling. I know that I have his calling on my life. I know that before I was born, he had called me. I know that he has anointed me to preach his word. I know that he has given me authority to speak his word to lives. But you know, it's not just me and it's not just other leaders, but all of us have his authority and his calling upon us to declare his truth. As I say, I've been looking in 1 Thessalonians this week and I love what Paul says there in chapter one. He says that um, basically he's been made redundant. He's on furlough, not really because he's in Corinth doing other things, but he says that he doesn't need to come back to Thessalonica to preach the gospel anymore because having preached it initially, now the church itself is doing the job of sharing the gospel around its area. The whole city, the whole area of Greece is echoing with the, the works and the words of the Thessalonian Christians, ordinary Christians who are sharing, who are gossiping the gospel. And it's echoing out across the valleys of Greece from that church there in Thessalonica. And so it is. And I, I was saying that Sue Britton, for example, has done a fantastic job of sharing our links for our Sunday meetings on various Facebook groups uh, in the community in Odium. She said to me the other day, uh, do you want me to post these links or do you want to post these links? 
And I said, well, actually, uh, can you carry on doing it, please, Sue? Because it's no point both of us doing it. It'll just annoy people. So you do it. Well done. I don't need to do it. I don't need to remember to do it now because I know that you're doing it. I can concentrate on maybe doing it in the fleet communities, which is what I have been doing. But maybe others here could do it. You see, I can't be the one that tells everybody everything. And in fact, if it just comes from me, people will think I'm just doing it because that's my job, which it isn't. I truly believe it, of course. But, you know, it's as you do it, it's, it's, it's as you invite people to the Alpha course, it's as you speak with God's authority, it's as you just gossip the gospel through your works and your words and your actions that people will sit up and take notice. And so John the Baptist had a divine authority. Don't forget that you've been commissioned with a divine authority from God as well. So we've seen a challenging austerity We've seen a personal integrity. We've seen a divine authority. We can also see a genuine humility in John the Baptist. John the Baptist has a genuine humility about him. As I've already said, he was prepared to confront people, even if that meant that he was lessened in people's eyes and somebody else, of course, was lifted up and that person was Jesus. John the Baptist thought less of himself and more of Jesus. His focus was not upon himself but it was on the glory of the Lamb of God who was coming into the world. John the Baptist was quite happy to graciously step back and let somebody else be inaugurated into the leadership role. And so he did that and he pointed to Jesus. He had a humility about him because ultimately it's all about Jesus. It's not all about us. I don't care what people think of me. It's about Jesus. That's what matters. And so he has a genuine humility that wants to lift up the name of Jesus. And that's what we too will want to do if we're genuinely saved and humbled by his grace. And then uh, finally, I want to mention that there is a, a helpful simplicity about John the Baptist's message. We've seen that there is a challenging austerity. There is a personal integrity. There is a um, there is a, a genuine humility in him. Uh, there is a divine authority, and there is also a helpful simplicity in his message. His message was prepare the way for the Lord, um, repent and turn and prepare for the Lord. And of course, he's quoting from Isaiah chapter forty. And we know that in Isaiah, uh, the first 39 chapters are really kind of bad news there. They're speaking about the, uh, the fact that God is judging his people because of their sin. Uh, but then in 40, good news starts to be proclaimed. And it says, prepare the way for the Lord. The Lord is about to do something good. And so you notice that John the Baptist, it tells us that his message is good news. He carries on speaking the good news to people. But this good news was actually a message of repentance. You know, repentance is good news if it sets us free from things that are ruining our lives. And John the Baptist is not afraid to give a simple, straightforward message without any kind of apology at all. Uh, sometimes we can be so shy to speak the truth to people. But 
He wasn't. He would speak the truth to power, as he did with Herod, who was doing something wrong. He was quite happy to tell him that what he was doing was wrong. And John the Baptist's message was one of simplicity, that they needed to prepare the way for the Lord, prepare their hearts, because God was about to do something. You know, John the Baptist's message was a little bit like a piece of sandpaper. And, you know, if you're going to prepare to paint a piece of wood, a furniture or an architrave, first of all, you have to get some rough sandpaper and you have to rub it down. And it's quite aggressive and um, it's quite a harsh thing to do. But it's important that you do it because otherwise the paint won't stick and it'll bubble. And so it's essential that you prepare the surface for the paint to take. And the message that John the Baptist had might seem quite aggressive, it might seem quite harsh, but it was essential. People needed to get down off their high horses, stop thinking that they were perfect, repent of their sins, change their ways, and prepare the way for Jesus to come into their lives. And there were those who responded to John's message. Zacchaeus later on was ready when Jesus turned up. He, Jesus spoke, John the Baptist spoke to the tax collectors and told them to change their ways. And we see that later on, Levi and Zacchaeus are two tax collectors that do change their ways. People needed to prepare. It's like a valley that needs to be leveled off. Ground needs to be prepared. If you watch grand designs, you'll often see how they prepare the ground first so that the foundation can be laid. And, you know, I think that God is preparing us. God is laying foundations. God is preparing the ground. He's getting rid of stuff in our lives that is ruining us so that we can be more effective for him. As Joshua said in, in Joshua, consecrate yourself for tomorrow I will do amazing things. Prepare your hearts because I'm going to do more amongst you if you're willing to repent, if you're willing to humble yourself, if you're willing to be like John the Baptist who not only talked the talk but who walked the walk as well, who lived it out, who had a humility and an integrity and therefore also an authority about him because he was walking with God. Prepare the way in your hearts, folks. What are you holding on to? What do you need to let go of? Is there something right now that you're holding on to in your life that is actually stopping you from laying hold of Jesus because your hands are so full of those things that you're living for that you can't let go of them and take hold of Jesus? Why don't you let go of those things? John the Baptist's message was a little bit like a, a host on a television program who kind of says, you know, and here is Michael McIntyre and kind of announces the main act. And John the Baptist was doing that. He's saying, here's Jesus. Here's Jesus. He's pointing to Jesus. I want to challenge you today. What is God doing in your life? What is God working into your life? What is God changing in your life so that you can be ready for what he wants to do through your life? Make way for God. Prepare your hearts for him. Turn away from anything that's ruining you. There might be specific things. John the Baptist said to these people, you know, there are specific things that capture different people. Everyone has their own particular poison, their own particular sin that can ruin their walk with God. Now, get rid of it. 
deal with it, says John the Baptist, so that you can be ready for the Saviour and for what God wants to do. I want to pray that God would be working in all of us at this time so that we can be truly ready to be his instruments to do what he wants us to do. And I love what it says here in this quote in Isaiah 40. It tells us that um, this message is going to be a message for all people. It's going to be a message of salvation for all nations. That's one of the key themes of Luke's gospel, that the message is for everybody, for people from every nation, for the Gentiles as well as for the Jews, for the outsiders as well as the insiders, for the irreligious as well as the religious, for the unclean as well as the clean. It's a message for anybody. Nobody need write themselves off. Those who are hungry can be filled. Those who are poor can be made rich in him. Those who are humbled can be lifted up if they see him and look to him. And so I want to ask you today to do that. Don't let there be anything that stops you from seeing Jesus. Amen. Thank you for joining me. I hope you've enjoyed the countryside. Jackson's been enjoying himself as well, as you can see. Quite happy to mosey around and sniff and see if he can see any pheasants. But let's just pray right now as we finish. Lord God, we thank you for your words. We ask you that you will work in us, that you will prepare our hearts, that you would do a powerful thing in our time. Lord, that we would know a divine authority upon our lives because you have called us and you have commissioned us and it's all by your grace. And Lord, we ask you that there would be a personal integrity in our lives and we ask you that there would be a genuine humility in our lives. And we ask you that in this time of austerity that you would be changing us and shaping us so that we can be more useful for you. And above all, we ask that your name would be lifted high above every name. We ask for this in Jesus' name. Amen.